Hey guys, I'm Nick. And I'm Eugene. Welcome to Papercut. This week, we'll be talking about Freakonomics by Stephen Levitt and Stephen Dubner. So Freakonomics is a pop economics book that explores certain phenomena and seeks to explain them, just like all of the others. For me, there were three core messages from this book. The first one, incentives are the cornerstone of modern life, and understanding them, or just figuring out what they are, is the key to solving any riddle, so cause and effect. It brings us nicely to our second point, namely the butterfly effect, where some small changes have drastic effects down the line, and you can definitely see a few of these ideas played out in the book. And the third idea that the book mentions is the fact that conventional wisdom can be very wrong. For example, eight glasses of water turns out doesn't help you. An apple a day might not actually keep the doctor away. I mean, of course, he caveats this. Like when he mentions experts, there are certain experts where you should probably trust, but not all of them. Anyway, overriding all this is the study of incentive. Now, I read this book when I was about 16 and it really stuck with me. And this is why I really wanted to share it because I think this was the first book that sort of brought me into the world of nonfiction. It was the first book where I sat down and I thought, actually, you know what? This whole nonfiction stuff is actually quite interesting. And it sort of sparked that interest in nonfiction reading. So I feel quite a lot of, I don't want to say grateful, but I feel glad that I've actually had this book in my life. I know people who've read this, you know, avid readers who read this and go, but Nick, it's so basic. It's so uh, irksome. But for me, if it's the first one you've picked up, it's fairly easy to follow. The logic's all there. And it's just overall a fun read as a pop economics book, pop science book should be. Eugene, I understand that you haven't read it. I am as new to this book as, well, anyone can be really. I literally have not heard of this book until you mentioned it last week. Okay, I guess one of the first things that I wanted to bring up with you, because when we were talking about this just now, you mentioned that when you heard uh, Freakonomics, you heard you thought of economics, and the first thing that came into your mind, what was the first thing that came into your mind? I was thinking this as one of the Computing for Dummies book, or right. Economics for Dummies book, right? that kind of stuff. So my first impression when I first heard the name is that this is meant to be a fun but educational book on i guess economics because it's in the name yeah exactly is it true see this is where it's kind of true as well because when you think of economics most people think of the stock market how governments are doing gross domestic product and all that stuff (laughs) all the big words on all the big words okay the so-called expert big words that get you into investment (laughs) banking precisely but I think this book makes it clear from the beginning and it's not the first time I've seen it but economics is very much the study of incentive the study of incentives I have to say that again and I think one of the biggest reasons why we often associate economics with money is because hey ho what is the biggest incentive in the world nowadays right money money yeah. money by Abba exactly yeah exactly money <laughs> <laughs> terrible 
exactly it's it's money so it's understandable why most people would think like that and whenever you hear people say the economy this the economy is going down now every day you off you automatically think that but so this one this is why i'm saying like for me it was a bit of a game changer in that when i read something like this and it wasn't all about money it's like oh my god it can be something different so this is and that's when i found out this was actually some branch of economics called behavioral economics so how you've changed something how does it actually affect everything else okay so now before we drill down into some of the core ideas of the book uh eugene do you have any further thoughts about this no i actually don't have any yet i i really i'm already curious into um i guess the incentive part and also the other ones as well so yeah let's let's get into it let's i'm as curious it. as anyone else i think it's probably best to explain like why it was so popular to begin with and this one this one this first book freakonomics is actually very controversial and i'll talk about it right now for a very very you'll see very political and divisive question and it touches upon the question of crime specifically if you had a city for example new york in the 80s like it was just crime ridden i think it was like a uh, five a uh, few thousand homicides a year or something crazy like that yeah. so if you were the mayor at the time what would you do to curb crime so l- let me give you some options okay so i'll do three pairs of this and i'm going to ask you which ones you think of the two of them they believe stop crime all okay. right all right so let's start with the first pair which one do you think has more a bigger effect on crime increasing the number of policemen or improving policing strategies i would say increase oh improving strategies actually yeah i mean right that yeah. that seems to make sense but the what that happened in the book was they actually tested sort of the strategies and everything and found that just what you just couldn't see the effects of it so if anything they found that increasing the number of police actually helped a lot more uh, and it goes back to this idea that if you let small crimes go and punish the big ones will happen and this i mean this is not like the central point of the of the book but it's saying that if you have a police in every street corner preventing someone from littering if they're not happy if they if they're not willing to litter if they're too scared to litter they're probably not going to do like bigger crimes that's the idea but isn't that also kind of a strategy as well to have a policeman in every corner of the street i mean it is a strategy but you know it's not like flooding it with policemen is not necessarily yeah, a yeah. grand an, an innovative strategy let's put it that way true it's true. it's very much like big army diplomacy diplomacy you know like having more people yeah it's nice it doesn't necessarily <laughs> mean you win but you know if someone had to place a bet on a, a small army or a big army my bet's always going to be on a bigger army true yeah increasing number of police that's number 1 all right the second pair okay here we go which one do you think has a bigger impact tougher gun control laws or increased reliance on prisons actually what do you mean by reliance on prisons so basically putting criminals in there for longer actually like expanding the number of prisons i would say prisons and you would be right that's what they found they found that lo and behold if people if criminals are in prison they're not outside <laughs> and if they're not outside they're not like they're not recruiting anyone and they're not causing crime so that's one way to do it i mean this is like almost the effects like you can imagine almost being immediate but i think this one there was some clawback to it they were saying like is that really a solution it's kind of reductionist you know you're you're sort of saying 
there won't be a problem if the problem wasn't there in the first place. That's sort of logic and that logic might not always necessarily work. So that one I'm a, a little bit skeptical of, but hey, that's what the book touts. Yeah, uh, the thing about gun control laws is I feel like it's very, it's quite hard to enforce it because I guess because it is in America, mm-hmm. it's written in the Second Amendment that you can bear firearms, right? Yeah. So right. I guess, yeah. yeah, I guess also there's a lot of argument against having gun control laws is that like if you're a criminal and you want to have a gun then you can get it regardless of whether there is there are laws there or not like i don't live in america so i can't say for sure but i feel like because it's too embedded in the culture already it's quite hard to just have like suddenly strict gun control laws to it's not gonna it's not gonna reduce the crime rate it's just gonna make people get stabbed instead of getting shot Mm. I guess that's also one of the things as well. But it was interesting because I think one of the things the book uh, sort of brought up was, you know, guns by their very nature are so unnatural in the human world. I think about it this way. If you have like a scrawny little guy or scrawny uh, or like, you know, petite, small, harmless girl going up against like a full brute probably eats eats a cow a day yeah. to scare the to scare the Just ox away one whole cow a day, a day yeah. you know yeah that kind of guy you know if if neither of them had guns like we we all know the guy's yeah. probably going to pummel the other person the all this you introduce a gun to the equation if both of them have guns it's like okay civilian casualty and everything the in the nicest case like if the scrawny fella or the like the petite girl has a gun all of a sudden, you've turned nature on its very head. It's like a, it's like a, even chance now. Whoever will win. It's right? not even even. Like I just pop a few bullets in you, and you're you're on the floor. I, yeah, yeah. Doesn't but if they I'm both have guns, it's <laughs> no longer like a sort of head to head fist fight. You actually you can just pull the trigger, which anyone can do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting to see how like tougher gun control laws didn't necessarily stop crime, and I think part of the reason behind that is because, like you said. If just because you stop gun crimes doesn't mean that there aren't other tools people would use. Like we're very inventive at killing each other. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's ways to do this. <laughs> Let's go for the next one. So third pair. So you've already mentioned increase in police numbers and increased reliance of prisons. Which one do you think matters more? Strong economy or changes in crack and other drug markets? Sorry, strong economy and changes in crack and other drug markets. So like um whether it be like cartel guys just not selling it as hard or you know people just not buying crack as much because you have to remember like in the in the 80s there was a massive crack problem okay so as an in incentivizing them to not want to have those things in the first place yeah okay versus versus a strong economy but i want to say strong economy okay so in the book it's actually they actually touted the changes in in attitude towards crack in other markets Okay, so let, let's let's touch on that very quickly. The the strong economy one, all right. So before I continue, I guess because um, your view, of course, is not like singular. I mean, a lot of people would definitely agree with you, but can I just get you like a sense of why you think a strong economy would you know change? Yeah. So in the most fundamental sense, my thought process was that if you have a strong economy, everyone will be well provided for, and you won't. I guess because drugs is usually seen as like. A way of escapism mm-hmm. so if you have a strong economy you have like a life that you're satisfied with you won't be as likely to go for drugs 
So yeah, it's kind of the same as like if everyone's happy, then there won't be a lot of crime. So right. that's kind of my thought process because I thought that even like people who do drugs, it's not like they don't know it's bad for them. It's not like they don't know it's wrong. Sorry, not wrong, but like it's not healthy. But people still do it because they're not happy, and and most of the time it's because you know it's either. Well, I don't want to say most times money, but a lot, a lot of those causes are due to maybe financial reasons or maybe、um, like relationship reasons. But anyway, my point is that even if people know something is wrong, they'll still do it、yeah. unless they are satisfied with what they have, which I think can only come with having a strong. Well, out of the options that you gain, yeah, yeah, was the strong economy was a more logical choice. No, I agree. Like, I mean, most people would agree with you as well. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'll level with you. I think the explanation given in the book was really. I don't think it was very good. I'm not gonna lie, because when you say strong economy, like you know, the economy is a big, big thing. It's kind of like saying, for example, biology. You know,、yeah. you don't actually you don't actually boil down which part <laughs> of it you're looking at. You're just saying what's more important, biology or this, and just like, but it it could be. You know, anyway. But I guess when we said a strong economy, I guess one of the biggest factors they looked into was some was things like、uh, GDP growth and unemployment. And so at that time, like America was still growing, the one thing they focused on was unemployment. And unemployment in sort of that period when it started going down, went down by like two percent. But the biggest thing they found was that there was no effect. Of this on violent crimes, like violent crimes hadn't budged at all. So taken from that view, crime hasn't gone down. I guess. Sorry, what was the time frame they looked at again? Right, I think they looked at this in the nineties because the cr- massive crime waves were in the eighties. So let me give you like some statistics on that.、Um, in nineteen ninety five. Uh, this guy James Allen Fox predicted that crime would go up by fifteen percent in the next decade. So between ninety five to two thousand five, instead of a hundred percent or even a fifteen percent rise that Fox suggested, crime actually fell by more than fifty percent within the five years, and the murder rates went down. So I think that's important. Like I should have probably given you the context first, but there you go.、Mm, so, interesting. So, and that and that sort of time we're talking about that sort of time frame. But that being said, like like I said, who knows? Maybe like a strong economy would mean you know you can better fund your prisons. You have the money to pay your policeman to say, okay, police, Mister Policeman, we have more money now. We'll pay you a bit more because we want you to make us feel more secure. And it could be things like you know giving, giving,、uh, increasing the number of policemen on the streets. Like that's why when I read this and I saw a strong economy didn't help. I was like, but you've just said. But you've just suggested that if you hire more policemen yeah, and better infrastructure, I guess yeah, the wording is a bit. And also, like, does this book actually make it so that it's either A or B? I guess、uh, this is how the books cover themselves because you have so many pages to write. You can cover yourself with a little disclaimer, like it's a strong correlation, though it's not all in decisive. <laughs> and, and if you're really careful, you can coat it in a way that it just make it's just not. Okay. You can cover yourself enough because, like I said, this book was controversial, and I, the writers don't get me wrong. I love them, and I think they're very smart people. But they did enough to cover themselves. Well, they're smart, of course they will. Exactly, and I guess so. And it goes to the final point, right?、Um, the changes in attitude to crack and everything. So 
crack cocaine is well highly addictive and at the time it was you know like it's kind of like what you see in the movies like turf wars gang violence like and everything and so it was pretty much the same back then only difference was when it started to decline crack was becoming getting out of fashion so everyone's like we don't want crack and all of a sudden you have this whole population of people who just go we don't want crack all and all of a sudden your your demand crack goes down the price of crack needs to go down so it wasn't that it wasn't that they didn't want to do crack for uh because they think it was bad they just didn't want to do it because it wasn't cool anymore probably i don't know (laughs) i didn't live in that period i mean i think also increasingly people were like like yeah it's just not good i mean why why do that when you have other alternatives well, I don't know what other alternatives there yeah, were no, in the nineties. <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons, <laughs> but yeah, and all of a sudden, you all these gang dealers are just like, "What's the point of dying for a product that doesn't sell well and give us money?" So, was well, it specifically? Cra- oh yeah, sorry, and other drug markets. Okay, okay. It was yeah, it was specifically crack and other drug markets. So I guess I'm talking about big field, but crack was the biggest one at the time. Yeah. So. Of those three, like increased reliance in prisons, changes in to the attitude to its crack and sort of increased number of police, those were like the biggest ones. Though I would say some of the other ones were interesting. A set, uh, another interesting one that I will touch on briefly that wasn't a suggested indicator was um, an aging population. Interesting. How so? Um, well, they thought that you know. If people just kind of aged out of it, like, you know, crime is a young man's thing. <laughs> just grow up. Just grow up and you won't happen anymore. And, oh and I'm glad I'm glad you had that reaction because it's very much the correct reaction. Like crime doesn't go away because one generation just, you know, decides to grow up like that. The time scale they were looking at, these guys in their like teens or early 20s hadn't grown into like 60 year olds like in 10 years or anything, you know? I might be, I might be uh, beating a straw man here, but I feel like that logic can be extended to saying like, if there's nobody, if no one lives in the city, then there's no crime. <laughs> no, it's exactly it. Well, I mean, I have heard variations of that to show other things, but I think I'll touch on that a different day. This is just a very small touch point. I just wanted to bring up. Okay. Yeah, yeah it, it was um, its own thing, but okay. If you thought, well, would you say those are controversial? That, that that's my that's my first question to you. Yeah, well, I guess anything that will have multitudes of people disagreeing with each other. Well, actually, I won't say controversial. I just say it sparks thinking. But mm. I can't see people getting angry over like prisons. over yeah like, over prisons or or like, or like I don't know or like changes in cracks and other drug methods. Police numbers that one. Well, with all the things going on right now <laughs> in the world. I can kind of see that being a controversial thing, but back then probably not. Um, yeah, I mean, but gun controls and all gun that. Gun controls also, yeah, actually, gun controls are quite controversial. It's not controversial to us, I guess, because we don't really have that issue. <laughs> like, be it in the UK, in 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 Hong Kong, or just I guess in, for you, Malaysia as well. Right? Yeah, exactly. Like wherever I am, it's it's just not a problem. Um, but okay. I'm glad we touched on this because those weren't the controversial points that brought this book to prominence, yeah. really. The main reason for the crime drop they suggested was... Well, do, you want, do you just want to have a guess, like a random guess of what it could be? Just a random guess. A random guess. I mean, if I were to say out of the blue, what, like, what, what reason it is, I don't know. Um, 
electronics maybe like uh, better surveillance yeah, better surveillance or um got, uh, they just had better things to do than so you, uh, when i say electronics i meant like uh you had you had tv shows to watch now you mm. have games to play now so you you won't go outside and, and join gangs and stuff yeah i mean that's a fair point i think in the 90s um entertainment and everything was like it was reaching its like peak so things like that 70s show fresh prince of bella great show <laughs> shameless <laughs> like, advertisement shameless okay. advertising here it's on netflix so feel free to watch it after the, after this podcast of course okay i mean those are fair points but this is when it gets controversial the one of the biggest reasons they felt that there was a massive drop in crime was because of the effects of abortion Ooh. exactly the, specifically the legalization of it after roe v wade in the supreme court in i think nine the 1970s i think 1975 or 73 just from when i tell you that can you do you think you could see why abortion would bring down crime rates if the criminals weren't born, they won't commit crimes. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, let, I mean, let me give you some figures. Like, after after Roe v. Wade got passed, 750,000 women got abortions that same year. 750,000 people. But I don't know. I feel like it's kind of like a stretch to say all those 700... What? 750,000. 750,000 women it's it's a stretch to say all their kids will be will grow up to be criminals it definitely is you're not i mean this is what i'm saying like this is why it's controversial as well and a lot of people have actually come out and said like are you suggesting this and since then i mean they of course they presented their case but since then i've also read like arguments against the case so i guess like you said first things first like all those seven hundred fifty thousand women they wouldn't necessarily uh, breed criminals right they would whatever happens like some of them might be good some of them might be bad but in general you're better off like your life's probably better off if you come from a relatively stable household yeah as in like you if you had like i don't know a two p a two-person family uh conventional mommy and daddy like you wouldn't go outside looking for gangs and everything i think that's what it tried to mention like so long as there's like two people looking after the kid or the kid grows up in fairly good conditions the chances of it going astray is just less, number one. But then again, when you really think about it, I think this is like one of the bigger counter arguments to this point I've heard was who are the women that would normally go for these sort of abortions, legal abortions in the first place? Like the, the types of women who would be probably sensible enough to think, I don't want a kid yet. I don't feel ready for a kid. Mm-hmm. These kinds of women are probably richer and more well-educated and fairly young. And they would say, yeah, I don't want a baby just yet. Or I don't want a baby full stop. But even if they had babies, they are probably well-adjusted enough to not raise criminals. And factor that in, you have the other side of the coin, like who would be the kinds of parents that would, well, I don't want to say raise criminals, but might end up with a criminal child. Be those people who don't go for the legal abortions, right? Probably. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, you can see why this sort of, like, A leads to B, sort of thinking how dangerous it might seem to be. I don't know, man. I feel like abortion hasn't really got much to do with it. If you were to ask me, if you take if you take a sample of the average, I don't know, uh, 750,000 Americans, and you, and you were to take the crime rate, like, how many of them actually commit crimes, and you were to 
you can probably use that statistic against if those kids did not get aborted and they grew up, they probably look very similar. Because so. yeah, so sorry. My point is that it's probably not that big of a deal, right? Abortion. I mean, I think it's fair to say like seven hundred fifty thousand women in the first year. So if it was enacted in the seventies. You've had about between the seven between seventy five and two thousand and like two ninety five two thousand five, you had like thirty forty years gap in between, so it's not only just seven hundred fifty thousand in that in those oh, forty right. years. It's like that's the first year. Yeah. So it's probably okay. close to like millions of aborted fetuses. Oh God, <laughs> when you think about it that way, it's quite staggering. Yeah, but I guess I guess my. Point was that regardless of how many fetuses got aborted slash yeah got aborted, they probably would have turned out fine, normal. Like I think so because there's a lot of speculation, I guess, on oh as as we discussed just now, uh, who usually goes for those abortions? I I think all kinds of women go there because actually maybe maybe for now they all go there because it's more accepted and more they're more educated on this matter. So I guess I shouldn't use the standard we see nowadays to the 90s or the 80s, 80s, 70s, 70s, 90s. I still believe that they would have turned out fine because, I don't know, saying saying someone is more likely to commit a crime because they're from like a certain class is a bit of a stretch, although I can see the logic behind it. I mean, it's profiling. It's 100% profiling. And I guess that's kind of what they're trying... I don't want to say that's their main point because it's definitely not their main point. But I don't know. This is, I can see... You can see why it garnered so much controversy now. Yeah. I mean, this and this is only one chapter of the book, <laughs> mind you. I mean, the other chapters of the book... Let me, like... Let, let me lay down, like, a few other memorable chapters from the book. So, does parenting actually matter? Oh. Like, does parenting... Actually, yeah. yeah, I have thoughts about this because whatever the parents do i guess like when you grow up old enough you you'll be able like you will have your own view of the world and i guess you you will know whether your parents teaching you agree with or not yeah yeah and you know if your parents did did bad things for example you can choose to let that consume you or you can see that as like a okay i don't want to do this you can still learn from your parents to not do that bad thing. You know, you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Parenting probably doesn't matter as much. I would say. Interesting. It matters, but not as much. Yeah, and I think well, a bit of a spoiler, but the book kind of agrees with you. And instead of actually like parenting being the main thing, the one thing that's more important, they probably suggest is you know, the actual environment your child grows up in, i.e., I- the peers. No, that is, yeah. It makes sense, right? Yeah, like, it makes your, complete sense. All your behaviours come from the friends you associate with. Because your life is not your house, you know. Your parents actually, they say um, they sh- uh, they shape you, but really, I'd say a lot of my formation is due to my environment around me, like my, my friends in secondary school. Yeah. Or like the teaching I had in school, rather than what I tell my parents. Yeah. And to be honest, the parenting really was like the best thing. Why do schools even exist? Oh, I mean that 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 is like a completely separate topic. But I mean, I can see what you Actually, mean. Actually, yeah, I, I was I was really straw manning that. One. <laughs> <laughs> but 
But I, I think you see what I mean. I guess like the only major counter argument is like if you were a bad parent, you would you wouldn't care what neighborhood your child lives in. Like you know, if you were a good parent, you make sure your child goes to the best neighborhood, associates yeah. with the best people. But like, is that really down but to even you? then? Like even if you do everything perfectly, there are still cases where the kid turns out to be bad and opposite. Yeah, exactly. Which is why. I'd say parenting really doesn't matter as much as the environment. The book talks about it as well. If you're interested in reading and more about it, so uh, I definitely, you definitely, uh, you definitely, uh, what do you call it? Like sold it to you. Sold it to me. Yeah, sold it to me. I will check it out after you're, you're the in... other books. Probably when I'm sixty, I'll start reading. Probably, it. Exactly. I know that's completely fine. I, I think. For me, for me, of course, I'm a I'm very biased towards this because it was very much the first book that gave me sort of insight into these things. It sparked it sparked a sort of want to read this, you know. Mm. So that's why I'm very biased towards it, and I'm not gonna force like everyone to read it. But I've had other friends read it; they're quite happy with what they've read. And at the end of the day, like these things were made for the general populace. They weren't meant to be like high level research. Like, oh, you need to look at everything. It's just interesting to talk about because these guys, they 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 have a few books out. I've read them all. They're all fairly interesting. They ask very interesting questions that you wouldn't even think about until until you actually go into it. In fact, one of their books is like "Think Like a Freak." But yeah, how long is the book? It's really short. It's like two hundred pages. That if, if even yeah, really short. Okay. I want to say. Fewer than ten chapters, so and each chapter is about thirty pages, and it's not really that hard. So, like the Great Gatsby. No, Gatsby's harder. <laughs> Gatsby's a lot harder. That was in, as in, in terms of length. Ah, uh, in terms of length, oh, yeah. yeah. I thought this was an interesting one as well. It is completely out of the blue, but if you had a kid, and you had to send them to like play with their friends, okay, they have two friends to choose from. One of them, they they have a swimming pool. The other one, the dad has a gun. And you only pick one. Which one would you send the kid to? Those are the only information I know. That's all you know. Yeah, you don't know anything about the dad. You only know that one person has a swimming pool. The other person has a dad with a gun. Okay, swimming pool. All right. Most people would think yeah. of that, but turns out, if that were the case, apparently more people drown in swimming pools than guy die from like <laughs> gunshots <laughs>、oh. like like that. Actually, yeah,、uh, probably shouldn't laugh, but. But that's the thing, you know. I think that's one of those things where you're trying to turn conventional wisdom on its head. That one is mentioned in the book. Like, I don't want to go into too much detail about it. I just thought that would be quite cool to bring up. I guess,、yeah. I guess that you you hear you hear that kind of stuff a lot、uh, when people bring up gun control. There'll always be that guy that goes,、uh, "The swimming pool is、yeah, more likely to kill you." Yeah, like, hey, you, 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 do you cross the street? Because if you do, then、uh, you're technically putting yourself at more risk than if a gun were to shoot you. That that kind of stuff.、Oh, Yeah, I'm not. I'm not going into that、yeah. today. Like, I, I, I know exactly what you mean, but I think we're running out of time. Yeah, interesting book. Interesting book, Nick. I will surely check it out. Man, I wish、Thanks. you said that more sincerely. <laughs> no, I actually will check it out. Okay, for sure, for sure.、Oh, fair enough, fair enough. And probably not read it. Caught, <laughs> <laughs> pranked, prank. Just a prank, bro. <laughs> just a prank. All right. All right. We're really running out of time. Okay. Um. Thanks, guys, for bearing with us this week, and、um, we'll see you next week. Join us on our Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and Spotify. Until then, this is Nick, and there's Eugene. Peace out.